I realized that motherhood unites us all. We just want the best for our children, no matter where you you are, no matter what you have. You just want the best for your children. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham. And today we wanna honor and celebrate mothers. With Mother's Day this weekend, we wanted to take a time to, to recognize and honor our mothers. But first, before we do that, I just wanna recognize the fact that Mother's Day is painful. We talk a lot on the podcast about the tension that we live here with on earth. We live in a fallen and broken world with sin and sadness and suffering. Yet, as believers, we have a hope and we have redemption in Jesus and the promise of eternity without suffering. So we live with pain and joy. And Mother's Day brings pain and joy. It is a celebration. It is a rejoicing to honor our mothers. But it's also, we recognize that it is filled with pain and grief. There are people um, probably listening that have lost their mother. They have lost a child. Um, there are people that, that long to be a mother. Um, there are people that don't talk to their, their mother or their child. Um, I know of people that have had an abortion or given a child up for adoption, and they ache and long for their child every day. And so Mother's Day is hard for many. And so we just recognize that. We want you to know that we are praying for you. And we'll talk about it later, but if you know someone, be praying and be mindful um, of them. But motherhood is also a high and holy calling and is worth celebrating and rejoicing. Motherhood truly unites, and it's a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Today, we're celebrating Mother's Day by introducing you to a few mothers who are living internationally with Samaritan's Purse. This past week, I had the chance to talk with them over Zoom, and they shared their experiences and how they're being impacted by mothers that they work with around the world. I'm thrilled to share their stories, three women, and how they're united by motherhood. God is calling them to their children, but also to their communities around them. Would you just introduce yourself to us and maybe share what you do for Samaritan's Purse and how long you've been working? My name is Grace Nganga. I am working um, in the Samaritan's Purse Niger office. I have been working for Samaritan's Purse for slightly over five years now. Okay. And so can you talk about your family and who is serving with you and supporting you? Um, So I'm in Niger with my husband. He is Nigerian. Um, and I have two children, Ira and Yasin. Ira is a girl. She's the first one. She is almost 18. She'll be 18 in July. Wow. <laughs> yes. And Yasin is 15. He just turned 15 on Sunday. My name is Bethany Billy, um, and my husband is a post-resident with the World Medical Mission um, Samaritan's Purse post-residency program. Um, and we live in Honduras um, at a host hospital called Loma de Luz, which means light on a hill. Mm-hmm. And that's what um, this hospital tries to be is a light to, um, to the community and to Honduras in general. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I have four children. 
Um, Elizabeth is six. Lydia is five. Um, Ruth is two. And Hannah is one. My name is Anna Zatsapina, and I am currently the Protection Program Manager in Samaritan's Purse, Cambodia. Um, I have been with Samaritan's Purse, uh, specifically in Canada, with Samaritan's Purse Canada since 2015. Wow. But I have been in Cambodia for about a year and a half now. So I'm here with my husband and I have two boys. It's more like a two for five deal, I call it, because they're so energetic. I feel like I have 10 and not two, <laughs> but um, they are four and seven. Okay. Um, and we are here together. Yeah. Whether being a stay-at-home mom supporting her husband or being a working mother, these women truly are propelling the gospel forward by sharing God's love to women in their sphere of influence. While on the phone with each of them, I was in awe by how they were impacted by the mothers in their communities. What has the culture of Cambodia brought into your home and maybe into your mothering? What have you learned from moms in Cambodia um, that has helped shape you as a mother? You know, I think being overseas and just engaging in the work that we engage in, you see the incredible fortitude of women. Mm. I think, I mean, we see that for sure in the West, but I think here um, in Cambodia, you see the hardship that women have to walk through, the, you know, triple burdens of care from caring for their community to caring for their families to caring for their income generation. There's just so much that women carry here. And I think more than any time else, I've just realized I'm not alone. And I'm so blessed and privileged that the least I can do is fight together with these women. And one of the things I'm seeing is just the crushing burden of mothers who have to make a choice or not really a choice of their own, but who need to leave their children when they're still babies to actually go to places like Thailand to provide, not to answer a calling like me or not to do work that they love, but to do work because they cannot otherwise provide food for their children. And so that has really given me just a passion to fight for them and to you know, engage with every fiber of my being in the work that we do to empower them both spiritually and physically and economically to be able to provide for their children and to be able to bring up their children to be present and to have the resources to do that without having to leave or migrate or worst of all, fall into the traps of trafficking or other forms of exploitation. What have you learned from mothers in Honduras? What, what is different about their mothering and maybe what have you embraced from the culture um, mm -hmm. into your own home? One thing I think it's highlighted for me is how I think as an American, um, I'm, I'm distracted a lot either by my phone or by my own thoughts. The mothers here don't read a million blogs telling them how mm. they should be the perfect mother or what they should do. I, I think, and some of those are great and I've gotten great ideas mm -hmm. from some godly women that I read their blogs. But I think that it unconsciously also adds some guilt for things that I'm not doing um, or choosing to do differently even. But they haven't read all of that. So they may feel guilt from, well, I don't, I'm not doing it the way my aunt did or my mother or my grandmother, but mm -hmm. it's a much smaller pool 
that they're they're drawing those shoulds from mm-hmm. um and i think they in general they seem to be more more free um they're also this culture is very relationship oriented being late is fine if you're late because you stopped and talked to somebody on the way mm-hmm. um and I tend to be a little bit more type A goal project oriented and in motherhood, especially that worked fine when I was a PA, mm-hmm. but as a, as a mother, uh, I feel like there's a need for me to be much more relationship oriented. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning about slowing down some, mm-hmm. um, focusing on what's in front of me, be it my children or someone at church. And I'm also trying to cultivate a, a quiet, a quieter mind um, that is is able to focus wholly on whether it's my time with the Lord or with a child, and I want to be able to engage, um, engage with the Lord, and not be distracted. Engage with my children, engage with my neighbors, um, be that other missionaries or Hondurans that live near me. So let me um, first say this, working here has really um, impacted my view on motherhood because I've realized every mother wants the same thing Mm -hmm. for their children. Um, Every mother just wants their child to be healthy, wants their child to be happy, and wants their child to have what they need. I realized that motherhood unites us all. We just want the best for our children, no matter where you you are, no matter what you have. You just want the best for your children. So that changed um, the way I see motherhood. It's such a grace and it's such a blessing to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thinking about when we moved to Niger, my son, Yasin, he was five mm-hmm. and a fragile age, you know, Um Many mothers in Niger do not get to celebrate their child's fifth birthday because of diseases that I'm knowledgeable about and I know what to do. I know the signs to look out for when my child is sick. But all these mothers need is just some knowledge that I probably got somewhere in middle school or somewhere in high school. But because they didn't go to formal school, They don't have that knowledge. And so something that may look so simple and and, um, second to nature, you know, in knowing is is so beneficial to them. It can save a life of a child, you know. So that has changed my perspective so much on motherhood and, um, and realized motherhood unites us in this sense we all want the same thing for our children. There was a common theme throughout each of their conversations. Each of these women continue to see the hardships of other mothers, and it has allowed them to both soften their hearts and drive them into action. Mothering is a humbling and challenging calling, no matter where you live, and it demands so much of your time and energy. But in some parts of the world, there's a greater struggle, and the demands make it even more difficult. Samaritan's Purse has the privilege to step in and meet the needs of mothers around the world. Grace and Anna both shared what it looks like in their different contexts. We are targeting um, our mothers 
because of our children zero to five, and of course the adolescent age two, um, adolescent health. So we, we run mobile clinics, and these are nurses who go to villages that are over 15 kilometers away from a health center, and we take a wellness package um, to those villages, vaccinations, we screen for malnourished children and we refer them to um, supplementary feeding programs. Um, we also do prenatal care to pregnant mothers. We teach, we share the gospel, we pray with those who have prayer needs. Um, and we do a lot of sensation, a lot of knowledge dissemination on, um, on health promotion, um, you know, good health habits for the child and for the mother, for the family. Um, we are even partnering with the government um, to strengthen the health system where a particular um, health center needs um, maybe more equipment. It needs to be upgraded to the next level of the health um, service. We partner with the government and with the community, and we are able to do that so that we can be able to extend health access um, to a greater number of um, population. The majority of the population in Cambodia actually relies, whether directly or through family members, on migration. So this is called labor migration. Um, they go to places like Thailand predominantly in order to work and make money. Um, and then send it back home or just come back home having made some money. However, in Cambodia, um, the majority of exploitation is for labor. And a lot of it happens en route or in Thailand. We work with women and mothers both um, through our work with migrants who are coming back from Thailand, coming back from being exploited or trafficked. We have projects at the border where we meet them. We ensure that they're able to get home safely. But I would say that, you know, some of our greatest interactions are with the mothers, the grandmothers and the women in the community, because a lot of the work that we do is focused on preventing trafficking and preventing um, all forms of exploitation at the community level. And so because many of the men have migrated to work, we're able to, you know, mobilize the women at the community level to be our educators, to be the ones that cascade safe migration and trafficking awareness information to other families, to their children, to the men that are overseas. And, um, and they're really the ones we partner with to transform communities and to create knowledge and to change behaviors to prevent the trafficking. I can't imagine the sacrifices and choices these family have to make to keep their children safe, healthy, and fed. Anna, Bethany, and Grace chose to leave the comforts of their own home and follow the Lord's prompting to work internationally for people just like these. However, it's meant that they bring their children along and they're continuing to guide them through new languages, education, systems, climates, and cultures. But overall, they're, they're striving to teach their children to find joy and to witness God no matter where they are. What changes have you seen in your kids making this move? Because I think, you know, the United States, as great as it is, like you said, it, it breeds busy, distracted. What have you seen or have you seen your kids grow? And obviously COVID has probably hindered this a little bit, but how have you seen them grow and flourish living abroad? 
I have been surprised at how quickly they have adapted. Now, at the beginning, I think with little ones, yeah. culture shock looks like more tantrums and more. <laughs> and so we went through a phase of that. Mm-hmm. But they get a lot of time to play outside, which I think is really good for children. Um, they have a, a lot of unstructured playtime, um, which I think is also good for their brains. But they also have learned patience and that things aren't always accessible in all places of the world as they are in America. They, But they're also learning that people with different skin color are the same on the inside as we are because kids see, I think, the way God sees. They just see it's another little kid and they're going to play in the sand together. And um, when they go to that child's house, they see um, different different kinds of things to play with or different. They don't see, Oh, this person has nothing. They say, oh, they're playing with an old Coke bottle. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go fill it with water or sand or something. <laughs> they don't, they don't think, Oh, they don't have the kind of toys we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's something I'm learning, <laughs> or oh, what they're learning but, but it's, I think it's good for them to, to see that and to, to grow up. Mm-hmm. Being that these these kids play the same way they do. No, oh, that is yeah. awesome, and I think that's the biggest joy of motherhood is learning from our kids and watching. Yeah, watching those kind of things, and you're growing and learning. Ever since I was a young girl, I worked in Africa, mm-hmm. and I always told myself that I wanted to raise my kids abroad. It's just so much easier for them to become very engaged in global issues, to um, to become engaged in God's issues that transcend borders. So uh, being here, I mean, they they still have a very, um, a very stable environment, but at the same time, they get exposed to a lot of the issues that, you know, from poverty to trafficking to, um, to just not having a healthcare system and seeing children who are sick and people who are sick and seeing uh, situations where only God can come through and we have to just have faith. And that is the answer. It's not, you know, like living in the West, but I was thinking even, you know, this week, one of my children came, popped by at work with my husband. And uh, one of my colleagues was telling him about the biosand filters that we build and we install in schools so that Mm -hmm. children can have clean water. And my son just looked at me beaming and he said, mom, one day I'm going to work for Samaritan's Purse. Mm -hmm. And I was just so honored. It was like a wink of affection from heaven for me. But him having said that just made me realize that God is in control and the sacrifices that I make, he makes up in ways that I can just trust him with in my children where he's able to um, invest in them in other ways and through other people. Um, And still, you know, I think my heart is to give them a passion for serving God and serving humanity. And, and I can see little glimpses of that in them, and it just makes my world. You know, through this work, you definitely see the worst of humanity in some ways. You see so much abuse and just exploitation of people, depravity. And this has really just instilled a desire in me to raise my children as men who honor God, who honor women, um, who want to live a life of purpose and service. And so that is something even from this early age, I'm always 
taking opportunities to talk to them about what it means to speak up for those who are weak, mm. to, you know, to pursue justice and to, um, to know God's heart for those who maybe look different or for situations that look scary and, um, and to just be, to be courageous, to trust the Lord that he can use them in situations that look huge. All around the world, mothers are united and they are living in the balance. They have been equipped by God to be teachers, physicians, spiritual directors, caregivers, both inside and outside the home. I related to this so much because I have four children and I know what it's like to balance motherhood, ministry, and work. It's truly a juggling act, but it's so crucial to remember our priorities. I often have to come back to the fact that they are not mine. My children are not my own. They're God's. He's entrusted me to train them, raise them up in the way they should go. And I constantly come back to Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. God is my first calling, then being a wife and then being a mother, then my ministry and my work. And I have to keep it in this order or everything gets out of balance. Being able to, 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 to balance work and being a parent in the U.S. Um, and then coming to Niger, wow, um, that's, that's a very different experience because they're just, it's a low-income country. So the resources are not as much as, you know, Kenya or the U.S. and just admiring how much resilience these women have as they carry out their activities on a daily basis. So many activities, majority of women are stay-at-home mothers, but they have so many um, household activities, but they do it with such grace and, and resilience, you know of the water, the pounding of the millet with their hands manually, the carrying their babies on the back and walking long distances to go to the health centers. And they do it all. And wow, their resilience has really touched my heart and made me appreciate um, the conveniences that I've had as a mother. And, you know, after I've, I've held a lot of um, focus group discussions with the women, they do share their struggles mm. um, and they do acknowledge their struggles and their hardships, you know? Um, and maybe that's all they know. But I, I have to say, I, I learn from their attitude because they wake up every morning and they do it again mm. and they do it again and they do it again. It's kind of like dancing in a tornado. <laughs> because you try to be graceful, you are dancing, you know, the work that we do, it requires so much stamina mm. and just wisdom and discernment and energy. And then at the same time, you come home and you have these rambunctious children that also require so much stamina and energy. And, and most of the time you're a hot mess on the inside, but the Lord just gives you the grace to, to kind of dance in the midst of it and to balance it all out. And I think it probably gets easier as children grow up. Mm -hmm. um, my children are still little, so it really does feel like a tornado most of the time. But I love being in the field now because mm -hmm. I get to share it all with them very intimately and I no longer have to leave them mm -hmm. for you know periods of time and just 
experience that um, sense of really being torn Mm -hmm. because half of your heart stays with them. Half of your heart is in the work that you're doing. I think one of the most beautiful things that God has given me, and I think it is really a rare honor for people like us, is that our work is not just work. It really is a calling. It's a vocation. It's just sowing into the kingdom in a very beautiful and tangible way. And so I am very cognizant of that privilege and um and I share that with them you know we have conversations all the time about the impact and the effect of the work that we do together here with them and um you know the work that I do is something we pray together about we talk about and so hopefully that alone um enables them to share in the passion and to become champions for the work that we do I love that we're not left to raise our kids without guidance or example. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when they sit in your house and when they walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. There's so many scriptures and passages in the Bible. This is one that I constantly come back to because parenting is a constant discipleship and training opportunity. I love how Anna reminded us that they are watching and they're learning from us directly and indirectly all the time. And bringing our our kids in the ministry is a privilege and we're allowing them to be involved in the work that we're doing and it will impact their faith in so many ways. I can't wait to see what God calls their children to do one day and how living on the field has impacted their life. To close, I asked Grace, Anna, and Bethany how we could pray for them. Let's join together to lift up these prayer requests. I think this is also one of the things that I, I pray for the women here and for and for mothers everywhere, but that that God that they would know that God is with them. Mm. Um, that God is good and that his plans for them are good and that he is with them no matter what's going on. Because like I said, the doctor's experiencing a lot more death of young people. Their families do too. Their mothers do too. Mm -hmm. And it is not uncommon for the women here to have lost a child. Mm -hmm. Whereas at least in my experience in the States, that's much less, Mm -hmm. Um, but here it's not uncommon for them to have lost a child, but to, to know no matter how things look, that God is good. That's mm-hmm. true. That his plans for them are good. His word also says that's true. Mm-hmm. And that he is always with them. Wow. How can we pray for our mothers here in Niger? Mm. That they will see the light of Jesus, that they will receive that light and, um, and be bold enough to understand that that is what they need. Mm. And it's okay for them to stand for Jesus, even as women, because a lot of times it almost, it has to pass through, you know, the husband. Um, But yet I see a lot of hunger in their eyes. Mm. And I I hear a lot of hunger in the things they say. So just pray for our mothers in Niger, that as we, you know, keep working with them. And as the seed has been planted, mm-hmm. that they will be bold mm-hmm. um, in accepting that light. 
um, and that they are teachers, you know. So how much better when they have accepted that light and teach that truth to their children too. Um, how do I pray as a mother? <laughs> Very simple prayers. <laughs> Lord, give me the grace um, to teach my children what what you want me to teach them because you created them. You know, you know their destiny. You know what you've placed in them, and just open my eyes to see. Um, that gift that you've placed in them so I can help fan it, you know, and not squash it or ignore it, you know. Um, yeah, so more wisdom. I pray for wisdom. Mm. I pray for my children that God just guides them um, to have the right company, to make the right decisions, you know, and to stay humble. And so I think for Cambodia, for the mothers here, and I'm sure in much much of the majority world is um, is just praying that women will not have to make that heart crushing choice of leaving their children and their families in order to put food on the table. You know that they would have that the resources and the wisdom and the grace to find alternative solutions and to um, tap into maybe. God's resources so that they can be together with their families and that God can raise up a generation that, you know, I love that scripture, like Daniel, who know their God and do great exploits. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know for me, these women helped open my eyes and they helped me to remember and pray for mothers and their children around the world. I hope that you're able to celebrate and praise the mothers in your life. I've heard it said that a mother holds their child's hand for a moment and their heart for a lifetime. The work of motherhood truly never ends. I know mothers constantly have concern and pray for their children even after they're grown. Their love and support never ends. So thank and remember the mothers in your life. But I also encourage you to look around this weekend. As I, as I mentioned earlier, Mother's Day is difficult for many. And so if you know someone who Mother's Day is hard, I encourage you to reach out to them and pray for them. Here on earth, we will groan and ache until eternity. There is suffering and pain. And so I pray that you will walk alongside those that are hurting. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in today. I just wanna wish the mothers listening, happy Mother's Day. I hope you all have a great weekend and a blessed day. Thanks again.